Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. All right, episode 59, and this is a bit of a wrap-up for the Reshape mini-series in which I just want to explore a couple of areas, some questions that um, clients and myself have had over time uh, with getting to grips with a more sustainable approach to our health. So we'll uh, dig into that shortly, but don't forget, jump over to therestlessmidlifer.com to check out the Academy membership at my six-week Reshape Accelerators programs. Um, and they focus really on what we've talked about over the last few weeks, um, how to get back on track, set lifelong habits, uh, and live a more fulfilling and adventurous midlife. You can also subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, which would be great if you do that, uh, and sign up to the Restless Midlifer Chronicles, which is a weekly newsletter uh, where I can share some news updates tips and, and promote the podcast as well and it's all about helping you regroup reshape and redesign your own midlife adventure having looked at the reshape deep dive if you like looking at rezoning and the impact of how we if we can reduce or change some of the cues and triggers that might trigger some unhelpful or unhealthy behaviors or eating patterns to the more healthy, re-narrating where we start to get aware of our stories, you know, the narratives that we tell ourselves, and then reconfiguring our habits, which is all about the, the rubber meeting the road of the actions that we take day to day. It's important to recognize that that's all well and good, isn't it, as an approach? Hopefully it sounds good. But it's when and how do we put it into practice. And this is where I think there's a few things just that do crop up with questions is, firstly, even though we're taking a deep dive and focusing on one area, which is the sprout sweater wear, let's focus on one area in particular, health, for example, reshape, you know, that idea of perhaps losing a few of the pounds we've put on over the years, that kind of thing. As you deep dive, more detail becomes apparent, more of that things to do more things to think about and we can feel overwhelmed with the process and i think that's one of the challenges whenever we embark on something which is why let's be right why so many of these um, rigid plans these shock and awe approaches i like to call them the all or nothings of just follow this eliminate that and stick to this rigidly i guess are so appealing because they have the promise of simplicity simple but flipping hard and extreme sometimes and really not necessarily life proof but they do offer that and they do, you know, I'm not knocking them completely because they can and do work for some of us at the right time. And sometimes they have, the, the, and, yeah, they have their, their longer term impact. I do know people, I've got a friend who, um, because of a diagnosis of diabetes type two, has pretty much followed the keto plan, although not it living in like in fat adapted ketosis all of the time. It's generally, or maybe, um, but it's generally living a keto lifestyle if you like and it's worked for him he finds it hard it's he misses the carbs he misses it but there's a big why behind that and that's his health and longevity that's driving that so there's often other factors that are going into these extreme approaches um as as with everything i mean there's a why for for whatever you might be wanting to do for this for me it's to be fitter at 66 than i was at 45 all of that kind of thing but the point is as we get into the detail the feelings of overwhelm can start to arrive, arise. And I did talk about this in a previous episode when looking at how do you clear some headspace. But I want to talk about it in particular in the context of how do I approach it? How do I manage that overwhelm? And I've said before, overwhelm is a different state to be managed versus the actual getting on with the job and doing it and staying focused and doing what we need to do. 
what we're trying to do with overwhelm is not solve the problem and, and, and so, d d achieve the goal. We're trying to manage overwhelm down so we can then get on with solving the problem. And the challenge is, when we look at, um, I'm going to kind of skip a little bit off just into um, my you know, former well, current stressed guru head where I, um, <clears throat> I geek out a bit on, on the stress and the physiology, the emotional impact of it. One of the things that no doubt you've experienced is when you can get frustration, you get stress and emotional strain arising when you feel frustrated by lack of movement or interruption when moving towards a goal. And this is often what happens. You know, you plan your day at work. You've got a busy day at work, but you've got, I've got my to-do list. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm set. You can feel in control and actually feel focused and excited and ready to go. But then something unpredictable happens. Something changes um, and suddenly you have to do something else. And the frustration, the emotional strain that comes from having to put down the thing that you plan, the plans, the confidence that you are moving in that direction to go veer off and perhaps take a total detour to do something else is where emotional strain comes from. And it's probably the same in life. You know, you're trying to get on with something, perhaps like me record a podcast, Rosie's downstairs, it's Easter, she's off, and at any time she could pop in and go, Dad, can you just put your fingerprint on this iPad to buy this app or whatever it is? And there's a frustration sense there. Now, that's because we are goal-oriented creatures, which is a really, really positive, powerful thing. And in so doing, the, the emotional response is useful at the right measure to help us manage the interactions, to keep us, to go back, to get us back on track. But the problem is it can be overwhelming, can't it? And it can lead us to being totally diverted, totally cloudy head, head battered, not to know where to do, and also feel like, oh, what's the point anyway? So overwhelm is a very real emotional process that's often tied to the goal that we're trying to achieve. So for those of you who've perhaps experienced this, if you've started to do a little bit of work around it, or for those, you know, the clients who've asked this question and people who've, who've asked me via, thank you very much, by the way, for, for the feedback through the show, is how do we manage that? Well, firstly, acknowledge that that emotional sense is always going to be tied into your goal because hopefully you care about your goal. Otherwise, you're not really going to be that motivated towards it. But that's why we need to move away from the big life goal, the huge thing, down to something near term. But then we move down to the sprouts or the slices of the cabbage to focus on here and now. And that's where, if we're struggling, because there are three areas, there is the re-zone, the re-narrate, and the reconfigure. Feeling like, well, where do I start? That's a lot. That I don't know is to come back to or to step back away from the three slices and focus on one area. And if that's a little bit too much, it might be the rezone. And, well, I've got my whole house, and then I've got work to think about, and, and you know, there's all of that. There's people coming in with donuts and all sorts of work, and you know, there's there's all sorts there. Even in that smaller sense, you know, compared to the goal, there is potential for overwhelm. So again, every time we feel that overwhelm, is to step back, step back, or to step away from the big picture and get smaller and smaller and focus on the sprout. So what I often say is we manage the overwhelm, and I talk about manage your breathing, create some distance, create a little bit of space to think and get your head back, but ultimately it is coming down to the one thing. What is the one thing that I can do now? And if you don't know what the one thing is, then the one thing is to work out what the one thing is. I've talked about that in previous episodes. But the point is, if it's, for example, rezoning, then take a look at just one thing. Why don't I just take a look at my fridge for, you know, and, and spend the next week looking at my fridge and thinking about how I could rearrange, reorganize, 
add friction to the treat stuff, the unhealthy stuff, and make easier the 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 healthier stuff to access. And just focus on the fridge. Focus on where things are. And spend a week because it might need a day or so just to have a look at it, make a few notes, to have a conversation with partners, um, negotiate with the kids as to where things are kept, and just take time to focus on that one area. Because if you can nail that with some quality, then you've got a foundation to then move on to perhaps the cupboard where the cereal and the crisps are, or you know whatever the other cupboards are and that kind of thing. And then you might move on to a shopping list. Then you might move on to batching and prepping the food as, as we explored with uh, Mark Telford in one of the previous episodes. That kind of approach is to bring it back, bring it back so the overwhelm abates and focus on the one thing your head can deal with and not to beat ourselves up if it feels insignificant or small because it's not. Every sprout sweated, every action made that's concrete and solid is moving you in the right direction. So in terms of overwhelm, there is no hard and fast answer, but generally it's about managing your emotional physiological state and that is recognizing that it's a natural thing. I'm trying to achieve this goal. Something's got in the way. It might be my stories. It might be something else that's happened. I'm going to get frustrated. Step away. Do the rescue breath as a top. Breathe in for two. Hold your breath for two. Breathe out for four. Just cut some space. Get it out of your head. Dump it onto a bit of paper, but then focus on one thing. Even if it's you have to go down to smaller than a sprout, a pea, one little thing and focus on that thing. Get a win. Get it solid. Move on. And take t- as much time as you need because they mount up over time and cumulatively. So hopefully that 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 helps with the overwhelm side of things. <clears throat> the other question that I often get is, um, got got the cabbage slice and sprout plan. So you know, in the context of my particular goal, Operation Demove, um, the Operation Demove is the goal to torn up the 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 top half of my chest. Um, the slices are the eat, move, and rest, and the sprouts are the three in each of those areas. So the, um, for example, I'm not going to go into detail. You can check out those previous episodes. Uh, links will be in show notes. But in the move, it is to go to CrossFit three to five times a week. It is to um, build in some zone two type cardio two or three times a week so that I can start to uh, continue just to enhance that my goods, my general circulatory health. And then the third one is to build in some specific technique and strength training on areas that I'm weak at and that I want to build and improve within the CrossFit. Now, if you, the, the question that I, I get is, are the nine sprouts, because there's three of the sprouts, if you like, are they actually specific habits or routines or mini goals? What are they? And I think the thing is, it could be any and or all of the above. It's about what works for you. You can see from those three that the getting to CrossFit in itself three to five times a week is not one habit. It's a collection of habits, as I've I mentioned before when I was introducing this idea. Is that the, the, it means getting my bag together, putting it in the car, dropping Rosie off school, heading to CrossFit. It means getting in and doing my 60 burpees a day, then doing the routine. It, there's a collection and a cluster. But that isn't wrapped up in nicely in a little what I call routine of get to CrossFit three to five times a week. And that might be too big for some if you had just started. It was certainly too big for me when I first started CrossFit. There was too much there. I didn't have the 60 burpees a day, but I just focused on get yourself to CrossFit and just do scale down the stuff and do what you can. The point is that routine and ritual relies on a couple of trigger habits, domino habit, lead dominoes, if you like, of um, if Rosie's at school. First domino is to make sure I put my sports bag in the car and 
then the next domino is I head off to CrossFit after I've dropped her off at school. So there is a collection of them. But the in answer to the question, the point is that it's not a, a small sprout size one habit. So in the 139, it could be, but it's more about that's a cluster of things that's triggered by a habit. So my focus is, well, what is the one thing that helps me knock down that the, all those dominoes in that particular thing. So I look back and think, yeah, that's one thing. I've been to CrossFit today. I might just accept that as one thing. But actually, there's a cluster of habits. It's a, it's a little routine of things. So <clears throat> I guess the thing is, not when we're trying to devise, decide our nine things, is, is you can keep it. And I would suggest once we're starting to introduce them, you can, and I would suggest you do keep them small and reasonably self-contained, sprout-sized habits or even rituals. If you have a, a ritual or routine like mine that's already there that you used to do, but you've fallen out of the way, you could reintroduce that as one of your three in the move goal, for example. Um, so there can be a specific action. There can be a particular habit you want to introduce or something you're working towards. So for example, the three to five times CrossFit, maybe I'm not there yet, but my aim is to get there three to five times a week. Twice a week is, is a start or once a week is a start. But ultimately, I want to move in that direction of that mini goal. So you can use it in that way as well. It's about playing with it and working out what works for you. Um, and for me, if you know, as coach, Dave, I guess, is not to be overly rigid with it because there will be some trial and error and there will be some room to play with that. And one of the things I don't like to do is get too rigid with these things because we're all different. And I've certainly found that, you know, when I've followed rigid plans, if it doesn't quite gel, I'll only stick with it a certain amount of time. So that's, that's another uh, question. A quick update. The Restless Midlifer Academy is now open, and I'm also running a series of six-week reshape accelerator programs aimed at getting your health, weight, and self-confidence back on track. Head over to restlessmidlifer.com to check out the programs. I guess a question that I do want to just sort of dwell on for a few minutes here is also the question of what's really going on. What's behind the, the desire to achieve a particular goal? And th this is prompted by a couple of conversations recently, actually. But one of the things is we, weight loss is, is, you know, it's a valid goal. You know, if you, if you put on a few pounds, you want to lose a few pounds, you want to just get sort of that general fitness and health back, feel a little bit comfortable in, in yourself, et cetera, then it's a, it's a valid goal. But this is not about question or a comment on the value or the validity of the goal. It is looking at why or what you are placing upon that goal. So, for example, weight loss. I want to lose a certain amount of weight, I don't know, two stone, three stone, whatever it is. Um, and in working towards it, and I think this is a this is where we sometimes, if we're not careful, can fall into narratives that almost postpone life until. Um, there's a great song by Colin here, who was a lead singer of Men at Work, um, but one of his um, songs is "Waiting for My New Life to Begin," and it, it's a great it's a great track. But I also like the lyrics because how often are we setting goals that are you know some distance ahead? And almost putting our life on hold in the meantime. And I don't just I don't necessarily mean that in the terms of stopping the activities that we do day to day, but we park our mind, our perspective, and our 
conscious presence, if you like, in that future. It'll be better when. When I get there, my new life can begin. I will be better. I will be more valid when I've lost that weight. Now, there will be changes. So, for example, you know, in the weight loss that I've had, I do feel a little bit more comfortable. I certainly feel like I bounce up the stairs a little bit more than I do. So there are benefits. But what I've really worked on doing is not parking my presence here and now in that goal because I've still, you know, I will, my health is an ongoing lifelong process. So, you know, if I'm parking my presence until I reach that particular point, I'm never going to be present in here and now and appreciate and learn to appreciate my life. It might be if I get a particular job, achieve a certain amount of status, pay off this mortgage, get to live in this house, meet this perfect person, then my life will begin. And again, these are narratives that are often, until we shine a spotlight on them, we don't necessarily see them for what they are. So the challenge that I just want to set you really, I guess, for this podcast, as well as consider any questions, send them to me, Dave, at restlessmidlifer.com, is just looking at what is what is the goal, what are the reasons and the why around, or the whys around it. Some of those will no doubt be based in genuine, reasonable, rational reasons. You know, I, I want to sustain and live a healthy life. I want to be flexible, have energy, etc. But there may be some underlying narratives dressed in, you know, different clothing, in those rational clothing that are really potentially, and I'm not saying that this is definitely the case, but it is something that I have found present sometimes, you know, when I'm, you know, in conversation and also in myself, is that they're the narratives that actually seemingly want the goal to be achieved, but are also present and working against the goal being achieved. Because if the goal is being achieved, we have a whole new set of challenges, which is actually, well, how do I live in the life now and be present right now? And this is one of the challenges, isn't it? Because I think life can be full on and demanding. And one of the ways we cope is to park our head elsewhere, whether it's in alcohol, drink, drugs, food, whatever, or the future, it'll be better when future hope. And actually, we never really learn how to be present, how to live with the warts and all life that it is, the wonderful life that it is, but also the painful, the emotional, the trials, the tribulations, the unsatisfactory, all of those things, the me the messy thing that life is. And perhaps the narratives, getting deep here, like the narratives or the narrative may be, yes, that's the goal. It's worthy. It's rational. Look at all these reasons I wanted. Keep parking your head there until you get there. But then do you ever get there? Is there some self-sabotage? Is there some undermining? Or is it a goal that is never likely to be achieved because it's in the perfectionistic range? So, whew, big, big, heavy thought there. But I think it's worth just highlighting because, as I said in, I think, last week's episode, it's not about the diet. It's not about the weight loss. It's not about the money, the success, the whatever. It's about the here and now. And I don't want to make it sound that glib because, yes, it's wonderful to achieve a particular goal and to get to certain levels of comfort, status, whatever. That's all wonderful. But in so doing, are you missing life right now? It's like the old Alan Watts thing of we don't listen to a piece of music to get to the end. We listen to it to enjoy the music here and now. But even so, in the age of the MP3s and iPad, you know, Apple Music or whatever, how many of us you get a song and say, I love this song, but then we skip it to another one because we listen to 30 seconds of it. Is that how we're living life? Skipping through it? Skipping through to the next track? And what I want to do is get you to think really about that because that's the power of the underlying narratives. We do need to develop the skill set of living here and now, despite the fact that our goals have not been achieved. Because there will always be goals. There will always be cabbages. There will always be slices. There will always be sprouts to sweat. Let's enjoy the process as we go. 
So take care for now. I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, and for the music, which is called Silver Star, by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now. And don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier, and more meaningful midlife. Gory adventure. Adventure.